Hello and welcome to the first of a series of podcasts um, on what it means to be an authentic leader and what it means to be an authentic leader who's also LGBTQ+. Uh, my name is Peter Molyneux, I'm the Chair of Sussex Partnership and I'm joined by Amy Hobson from the Wellbeing Collective. Hi Peter, really nice to spend some time with you and really looking forward to chatting about the work we've just been involved in. I mean what I think is really exciting is that you've just completed a series of interviews with leaders who are also LGBTQ plus to get their perspectives on what it means to be an authentic leader and I just think that's a really interesting question because I think that um, I think both of us found that you know, people were talking about the importance of being able to be your authentic self at work and the importance of emotionally intelligent leadership. But I think both of us wanted to express a bit of curiosity about well, what does that actually mean for yeah. people and what, how do they interpret it? And so we wanted to have a, a few conversations with people who occupy leadership positions across health and care system and also who come from very diverse backgrounds and I, you know, and being interested in see whether that also has an impact on their experience of both what being authentic at work means, but also their ability to be their authentic selves at work. So I suppose it'd be quite interesting to get your reflections, Amy, on what you think's come out of those interviews for you. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Um, firstly, I just wanted to, um, to, to actually thank the people that spent time with me and and also working with you on on these podcasts because people chose to get involved in this and when people listen to them I think everyone will recognize just how frank and open and generous people were with their experiences and their stories and I think that was one of the first things that really struck me mm. is that I didn't know any of those people until meeting them to, to interview them and and people just leapt into a space where they chose to talk and to share and to, and to give me a real sense of their experiences. And one of the things that united all of those interviews was just the sheer power of the stories. Every single person gave really descriptive examples of their experiences and I learned from each of those and I learned something different from each person. For some people, it was about looking at our own mindsets and tapping into that positive psychology. For other people, I was learning about allowing a process to unfold and not expect things of ourselves too soon, but to, to kind of to assess whether it's a safe environment to be fully authentic. With other people, I learned a lot about what it meant to be part of teams and organizations where it is, it's either safe or not safe. So I learned different things, but something that I got from everybody is a real sense of wanting to be supportive to others, wanting to role yeah. model behaviors as a leader that were really true to their values, yeah. but recognizing every single person recognized that it hasn't been easy at times. And that for some people now it's incredibly difficult. And so I think their compassion for themselves and for others really was, it was really significant to me. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember when we set up 
the LGBTQ plus leaders network, which I, I, I co-chair. I think some people said to us, oh, surely discrimination against people who are LGBTQ plus is something we've dealt with. Surely that's all that's all sorted. And it made me sort of sort of think about, well, what is it I need to do to make sure that I'm actually doing everything I can to try and create workplaces where people who are LGBTQ plus can be their authentic selves. But also I think what I really found very helpful about the conversations that you had was actually the different ways in which people are, are approaching this and the different challenges people are finding um, in terms of actually how they can be more authentic at work and what does that mean for them as leaders? How do they need to adapt their leadership style? Yeah, and, and something that, that kind of linked the authenticity to other areas of people's life, and that also made it quite unique, is the intersectionality. So, you know, so there were a number of people of colour who were speaking yeah. as, and talking about their cultural, um, the cultural context in which they come from, um, and that offset against their, their kind of identifying as either, you know, gay or trans or, or, or whatever. And and then there was also someone talking about who has perhaps less power in a system and, and actually their experience of what that's like as a new and emerging leader compared to someone who's been a senior leader for a number of decades. Uh, and so I think it's, it's a complex mix, but there's learning from each strand of it. Yeah, and it was really important to us, wasn't it, that we actually had people who were from very diverse backgrounds. Absolutely. So we have people of colour, we have a good mix in terms of gender and gender identity. And I think that really does come through, um, through the conversations. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I think, again, coming into the interviews, not knowing the people, the richness, again, of their stories and the the fact that their authentic selves was not just as identifying as LGBTQ+, their, the, the who they were, were was much more nuanced than that, obviously. Mm. And, and so their, their age and their experience and their backgrounds and their heritage, all of those things play a part in our authentic selves. And, and I guess we can't know what it's like to be somebody else, but we can, we can imagine some of the things that people might find challenging or some of the things that might people might find as opportunities. Yeah. Well, I think it, I find it a really interesting question because I think when, when you talk about being an authentic leader, for me, it's about being clear what your values are and clear that you're evidencing your values in the way you're behaving. And I, I think if I'm honest, I hadn't always thought about it in terms of sharing things about my own personal experience. I sort right. of thought almost as if values were associated with behaviours and you had to model the behaviours and you didn't necessarily need to share your own personal story. But I think what I've learned is that actually there is a power sometimes to bringing your own personal story to bear. Yes. And I suppose the one that, that, that I, I sometimes, because it's such a long time ago, I sometimes forget that I didn't do very well at school. So I did my I did my qualifications at Further Education College. And, and you know, when people ask that question about, well, what teacher was most influential for you? It wasn't a teacher at my school. It was actually the tutor at the Further Education College who helped me put myself back together and get, get on a better track than I would otherwise have been on. And you suddenly realize, well, that's actually quite important. That's quite an important 
part of my story in terms of well, how I then think about how we manage the workplace, how, do, how accessible is the organisation that I'm partly responsible for and how easy is it for people to come in to the organisation. And actually, that's quite an important part of my story that I can bring to bear on what I really believe in about making the workplace more accessible. Well, and, and actually listening to that story of yours then, I think it's fair to say that as a, a chair of a very large foundation trust, people would make as potentially make assumptions about mm. your educational background, mm. make assumptions about your early years. And to actually hear you talking in that way brings things to life. So it is about role modeling those behaviors, but I think the discrete use of stories in a, in a purposeful way yes. really brings that to life, particularly for people who maybe are earlier in their career or don't have as much power or aren't in leadership positions. I think it's, I think I would really, really uh, relate to a leader who was able to bring elements of that, but marrying it to emotional intelligence. So it wasn't, it wasn't all about their stories, but they were used judiciously. Yes. But I also think, you know, perhaps for particularly, I think for those of us who are a little bit older, we've probably got used to editing some of our story in terms of, you know, whether you call that internalized homophobia or whether you, you know, feel that well, actually that how much of my sexual identity do I want to bring into the workplace when actually it's quite important because I think that it does inform the way the experience that patients are having, it informs the experience that carers are having, it informs the experience that staff are having because it does try and make sure that the right questions are being asked. Yes. And I think that's why that authentic leadership is so important, that people are showing curiosity about people in the context of their household, in the context of their family and their, and their community, which is relevant for everyone. Completely relevant for everyone. And if, and if when you listen to the podcast, for, for those of you that are, uh, are with us today, I think you'll notice that, that everyone's in a slightly different place. And even though there's significant things people share, their stories and their backgrounds, um, people have chosen different ways to express that. Yeah. And even some of the most confident and senior people I interviewed haven't always found it easier to speak out about who they are and their identity. Yeah. yeah. And then to unpick why that was and perhaps why that's different now for them, I, I found that fascinating. Yeah. Do you have any reflections on whether there are limits to authentic? You know, do you need to sort of, um, I don't know, shift? Do, do we need to shift our authentic selves to be be part of a team or part of an organisation? Yeah, you know, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think there are times when, uh, particularly historically, people have shied away from too much authenticity, or they've misinterpreted it as being uh, particularly emotional or you know wearing your heart on your sleeve etc and I think that I think that it boils down to emotional intelligence for me and being able to bring the right level of yourself to work in an authentic way but recognizing the people around you and what they need in that moment particularly if you're a leader yeah. I don't know how you find that because you find yourself in many teams don't you I do I do. And I mean, it's hard to imagine, but I think perhaps there are moments when there could be too much, Peter. Um, you know, yeah. and I need to be aware 
<laughs> where where of when when that might be but yeah. but i also think we you know to be to, to be slightly more serious i think that you know there is something i think about recognizing that you are trying to work together with other people mm. so it is about you know us creating a space where people can be a little bit more curious yes. about each other the reason one of the reasons we want a diverse workforce is because we believe that actually means you deliver better services to yes. your diverse in, in my context patient patient group mm. and I think that also but we do need to sort of accept I think perhaps that some things are complex yes. and therefore you need to create the space for teams to be able to have conversations Mm. about things where perhaps people have strongly held views or people are finding something uncomfortable and you can't just then claim that that's that the issue is then settled you have to allow the space for complex issues to be properly explored and for me that's part of being authentic and it's part of being emotionally intelligent Absolutely. And there's also a real opportunity, isn't there, for genuine active allyship and being able to, as a, as particularly as a leader, but not only as a leader, obviously, being in a team and recognising when someone's individuality or authenticity is being negatively affected by culture or other people's behaviours or or just the way in which the, 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 that team is working. And so being able to, to raise that on behalf of other people, if and when appropriate, to get alongside people and notice, and as you say, be curious about things and help sometimes broker conversations that are not telling, but are asking and inquisitive and appreciative. So, so one of the questions you asked everyone was what advice would they give someone starting out now? So come on, what advice would you give someone starting out now? Um, Peter, the reason I'm smiling is because, um, weirdly, that was going to be the question I was just going to ask you. Ah. Um, and you pipped me to it, which is, 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 is great. But All it, right, well, we're both, it we'll, both we'll, we'll take a turn. Which we both now. answer it, shall we? All yeah. right, then. Well, you asked first, so um, I'll have a stab at it first. What I do know is that when you listen to the other podcasts, they are, they can be quite profound in terms of their comments to this question. And so I, I recognize that in order to get the best out of this question, it's listening to lots of people's answers uh, because they're all very individual. But I sent, but my sense of it would be about, about looking for relationships. So professional work relationships and connections with people and allowing authenticity to grow as your relationships with people grow and that isn't saying that I wouldn't go into work and talk about my wife or, or, or mm. talk about my family set up but I think that actually once you've built rapport with somebody and then you start talking about your home setting and they talk about that home setting it's a lot more mutual it's a lot more um it's a lot more in the moment. And I would say to people, particularly if you're not in a position of significant power or you don't have a huge amount of confidence around this, don't feel pressurized to share things about who you are, whatever it may be. Mm. But that once relationships grow and you feel safer and you recognize that there's psychological safety around you, then chance your arm, test things out, see how people respond, enable people to feel like they can be curious with you. And that level of slight openness isn't showing everything, but it's showing enough that people get a, a little view inside you. 
So that's what I think I would say to myself is, is allow the relationships and your values to lead. What about you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's um, not as easy, is it, as we no. think? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because what's come to mind is that uh, I, um, I, I, have, I have a memory of being with my father who I think felt the gods had been cruel and unusual in giving him this rather camp fay son. <laughs> um, and I'm standing there sort of holding an oily carburettor while he's fiddling around with, a, with an old old car which tended to be my role on a cold wet Sunday um, afternoon but he said he said something which actually has stayed with me which was that he said that you know I'm, I'm trying to fix this old this old car someone um, you know would have come along and said give me 50 quid and I'll take take it away okay. someone else might have said I can do something with this I'll give you 50 quid for it right and someone else might have said, you know, actually, this is quite special and it needs work. But why don't we work on this and, and we'll try and turn it, get it back, you know, and make it make something of it. Yeah. And he said, you know, and when you're looking for somewhere to work, that's what you need to think. That actually this is a place that's going to value you and see your potential and going to be willing to invest in you and I think that actually has stayed with me and I think it is the advice that I give someone always look for the right organization for you that you think you can thrive in yeah yeah I think that's really powerful advice Peter thank you I've thank really you. enjoyed having the opportunity that you've given me to be part of this work and I just wanted to thank oh. you and I, and I just wanted to reiterate what you said at the beginning is our gratitude to all the people who gave up their time to talk to us and be part of the project and I really hope the people listening to this enjoy listening to those stories and those conversations as much as, as we have, because it has felt a real privilege um, to have access to that kind of wisdom and advice.